The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Dave Trafford is here, host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario Politics Podcast. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show. Uh, let's start with the possibility. John Tory was already insisting this morning on text. He said, listen, I've only asked the civil servants to look into it. We're not drawing this up as legislation just yet, and it's not going to council. But the pitch is a parking tax it would be a buck or a buck fifty per commercial parking space per day. Jerry, I never entirely anticipate what you're going to say but I think I know that you don't like this. Well, first of all, don't pee on our leg and tell us it's raining. Oh, we're just looking at it. As soon as you just look at something that might be revenue producing, you do it. That's what it seems to be the case. And uh, again, I, you know, if people want to join me in this, they can. And if they don't, they don't. But as far as I'm concerned, until I see City Hall really putting an effort into, or any level of government, putting an effort into right-sizing government, uh, the, I, I look uh, very darkly upon uh, their insistence that we need to spend more of our money. Okay. Uh, Courtney Betty, is it arguable that we can still, I mean, they spent four years looking for savings during the Ford administration. I'm not sure where they got. I know they always came up with this billion dollar figure, but the math never worked. Yeah, well, the star said it was $750 million, so that was, you know, that was at least something. We're definitely not going to get it from parking, John, so that's the first thing. Is it going to contribute? Maybe. But I would say if we're going to have a, a cost for increased parking, Let's also have a strategy as to how we're going to create a better transportation system in this. I mean, our downtown is so clogged right now. It is a disaster. I keep repeating it every time you go down. So let's figure out how we do both at the same time. If we're going to have a tax, give at least a system that works. Dave Trafford. Yeah, it's it's a rare op- opportunity to, to say that, um, you know, when City Hall says, let's try a pilot, that, that uh, it doesn't mean it's something that is going to be uh, permanent because they actually studied this, uh, what was it, 2016, and they decided against it. So the bigger issue is here how municipal uh, services and how municipal governments and municipalities are funded and supported. And I heard Deb on this morning taking a shot at the feds. Let's face it, this all lands at Queen's Park. It's the way, it you know, the city is a creature of the province and, and, and etc. The problem here is we do have tools in the Toronto Act that allow Toronto to support itself in terms of uh, the, the, the taxes it can raise, but the province has made it almost impossible to use them or has refused to allow them to use them. So it has put the city behind uh, you know the eight ball right away. John Tory's right. In the long term, we need to rethink how municipalities are served because there's just so much more pressure on a place like Toronto than other, certainly other municipalities across the, the city, uh, the country, perhaps uh, with the exception maybe of Vancouver. But when we talk about the vulnerable, the homeless, all of those things really are accelerated and amplified here in Toronto. This is at the heart of that funding problem. Will parking solve the problem? No. But I think it's John Tory's way of planting a flag and saying, well, if, if we can't do that, then we really are going to have to break the system and start all over again. Here's what uh, Mark Tui and I were talking about on my show yesterday to illustrate the point that I'm making, and it's the way that people in government think. If you have a four-person crew doing something like filling in potholes, and you figure out that you can do the job just as well with a three-person crew and you you institute that normal people call that an efficiency a 25 percent efficiency in government they call that a cut in service even though you're doing the same job they can't wrap their head around saving money they just can't 
Courtney, Betty, I'm very curious who lawyers hire to lawyer for them, uh, but the Metrolinks group may be uh, somewhat hesitant to head to court when they've got the entire apparatus of the law society against them, and all of this is over some trees at Osgood Hall. Well, you know, John, uh, the Law Society actually represents me as a lawyer, as a member of the Law Society, and I never thought I'd be described as a tree hugger, but I'll tell you, Metrolinks, stay away from those trees. I mean, there's just no rationale to have to to uh, tear up those trees, and I'm so proud that the, that the Law Society is standing up. Someone's got to stand up to Metrolinks. They're a big bully that continually goes into neighborhoods, brings about changes that cause long-term issues. This is just a tree, but I think there's a bigger message behind here. Okay, but Dave Trafford, I mean, what they're doing is building a new subway line. Surely some trees got to die. Oh, I don't know that that's true, because in this story, and this is where I take issue with the story from the Toronto Star this morning, they actually say the agency, quote, ultimately postponed the removal, saying it had found an alternative for the assessment in terms of what they, why they needed to cut the trees down. All of a sudden, for no obvious reason, now they've reverted to plan A again to cut down the trees, um, and the reporting doesn't actually cover on that. So I'm not quite sure what happened that made them have to revert to the original plan. That's said you know there are other questions and i think to, to some degree um the the people in uh, uh, leslieville are going through the same thing where the ontario line is going to go through there and they're going to lose some parks um you know so you know is that the cost of the the, the transit line perhaps and you know you go to east uh, toronto and there are signs all, all over the place put this thing underground uh, sure it costs more money but this is the premier who when he was at city hall was saying subway 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 so you know you, you kind of suck and blow gee that comes up every friday <laughs> Pretty well. Jerry, for the trees? You know, this is why we never get things built. We can't get things built because of these uh, competing factions. I go along with Chris Selly, who put out a, a tweet earlier, said he's so sick and tired of hearing about these trees. we got 500 other problems to worry about, and some of which would be mitigated against if we could actually build the line instead of having to fight every lawyer in this uh, province because of a couple of trees. we got a lot of trees. How about this? Uh, we have to take down five trees. We'll plant 25 trees somewhere else. Can you be happy? Okay, Courtney, without belaboring the point, are these special trees? Uh, it's not about the specialness of it, John. Like Metrolinx is not protecting communities. And so this is one example, the fact that someone is actually standing up to them. We've had the same issues in Scarborough, Eglinton, and Oakwood. We've had, we've had the same issues at York University. It is a problem. They need to start understanding the communities that they're there to serve. That's the, that's the only point. So an Ontario school has banned Valentine's Day for equity reasons. Dave Trafford, I didn't think the culture wars were going to come for Valentine's Day. My biggest issue with this National Post story is the incorrect use of the word infer. But other than that, um, the... I don't the... think they have copy editors anymore. <laughs> exactly. Clearly. They're lucky to have anybody um, these days. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just think that we're getting so wound up about Valentine's Day on the one hand, and I always, this is sort of this commercial creation and, and, and move on. But the deeper part of the story here is the activism of the school board. And I think on a broader level, you know, this really begins to hammer home the holy cow, how much money do the school board spend and who actually runs the school board? And nobody, I mean, relatively nobody votes for these people because the voter turnout is so low. That's a system that's really broken and this just illustrates it you know it, it might be time to uh, to bring it all back home to queen's park
work. Yeah, Courtney, Betty, it may be overreach, but at the same time, I don't know that I necessarily need to go to war to defend a commercial holiday that was invented by greeting card companies. Well, I don't know if it's a commercial holiday, John. It's just a way of people expressing themselves um, and recognizing that there is love in the air and love for each other. I mean, this this is what happens. We start attacking. For, today it's going to be Valentine's Day. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. Like, we've become so Purim. culturally sensitive that we're destroying a lot of the things that, um, that kind of bind our society together. And so in trying to create this... Uh, this monopoly of everything, we're, we're actually creating fragmentation. Well, clearly, if we want to continue on a similar theme, Jerry, next they're going to come for Arbor Day. Yeah, well, see, that, <laughs> you tied that together. Congratulations. You, you um, choose me? By the way, this is not new. We did it last year. We did it the year before. I'm tired of it. If you want to send somebody a Valentine, send them a Valentine. Uh, well, ter- at the same time, John, it's, it would be just like you know canceling Mother's Day and Father's Day for all of the equity reasons and the family structure reasons and all that kind of thing. So, and again, this is what the school board is worried about. Seriously, Father's Day is very important to Bell because it's supposedly the number one collect phone call day. Is it really? <laughs> uh, Ontario's Greens are urging liberals. They say, hey, if you like our leader so much, then why don't you just join us? I don't know. Are we, Dave Trafford, you do the political podcast. Is this whole thing a great big show? Is this being orchestrated behind the scenes and there's something really going on? So all due respect to all of our friends who are operatives and various parties and, you know, wear, wear those uh, those stripes. And, and when we talk specifically about post-election, about the Liberals, yeah, but you know what? It's not about the leader. It, it's got such a strong brand. The Liberal brand is so strong and it will outlive any kind of weakness based on the vote in the election. This brand is circling the bowl right now. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they want to be. And that they are, they're being punked by the Greens right now and teased, uh, it, it, it just says to me that this is the beginning of the end for the party in Ontario. It's going to morph perhaps into something else. I'm not sure it'll combine with the Greens or the NDP for that matter. But boy, where is the value in the Liberal brand right now? I don't think there's, there is much left. Okay, Jerry Agar, we started the week saying that we thought that uh, Mike Schreiner might be weak for entertaining the idea. Maybe this has been his game all along and he's actually clever like a fox. You mean he's just letting the liberals make themselves look even stupider than they looked before this happened? Yes. Okay, well, good on him then. Courtney Betty? Well, I, I, if, you, if you think about the Liberal Party, and we look back to the election of the, the leadership, Michael Couture and others that were there, it is incredible to me that they cannot find one person internally within their entire organization that could serve as a leader. That's the problem. <laughs> Well, okay. they can find anybody to serve as leader. Del Duca proved that. The problem is that they can't find somebody that can bring the party together and represent, you know, an option or an alternative, not just to Doug Ford, to Merritt Stiles. I mean, they have to beat the NDP, never mind the Tories. Almost no time left on the clock, but apparently uh, building new gas plants will cost more than using wind and solar. So, Dave Trafford, has the new era arrived? Uh, you know what's interesting here is that I think we're going to have to start looking seriously at that, not, not that we aren't, but the the problem I have with this particular report is it only looks at wind and solar. And I was talking to a guy in Sweden yesterday, and they have replaced almost 56% of their use of fossil fuel to heat their cities using 
renewables, which includes uh, solar and and uh, and um, wind, which you know kind of same Nordic climate that we have, but they use biomass. They use a little, sort of wood product as well. So there are all kinds of other things. It's not just about solar and wind. So I get that this particular group has a, an axe to grind vis-a-vis the um, you know anti-fossil fuel, but they only go down this one lane. We need a broader conversation about all of this stuff in terms of how we're going to uh, be more efficient in, in generating energy. Thank you all. Good to have you. Dave Trafford, Jerry Agar, and Courtney Betty. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.